0: Hey, everybody, let me start by welcoming all of you who are watching us from our campus in San Jose. And for the rest of you that's watching online, thank you so very much for joining us in our Easter 2023 celebration. Now, check this out. I'm going to say Jesus is risen. And if you believe it, I want you to respond with, He is risen indeed. All right? Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. Come on, put your hands together. Let's celebrate. We just think we give God a a praise for this wonderful good news that Jesus is risen and death has been subdued. Jesus, not death, has the last word over life. Now, uh, today I want to continue with uh, the series that I've been in over the last several weeks inside of this series that I have simply called Coming Home. We've talked about how some of the truths of Scripture can empower us as we take seriously those dynamics within our homes, whether it be the homes we grew up in or the homes that we live in now, those dynamics that can literally trip us up in our everyday life. Among them are the challenges of navigating uh, some of the dysfunctions within uh, our various family systems. So if you missed the last three weeks, I want to encourage you, check, go to our website, check out those messages, and check this out. Next week, I will be returning to this theme as we look closely at the role of guilt and shame and how that works itself out in our everyday life and how to break the power of guilt and shame. But today's message, I'm simply calling homecoming. As a matter of fact, if somebody's sitting next to you or even if you're just sitting by yourself, just, just say, happy homecoming. Happy home. Go ahead and type that in the chat. Happy homecoming. All right, let's read our text. And I'm reading a a much larger portion of text than I typically do because uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground here today. And I want you to have a full sweep of everything. For those of you who've been with us for the last three weeks, some of this, a lot of this you've already heard. uh, So just bear with us. Beginning at verse 1, here's what the writer says. Luke, all the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees and legal experts were grumbling and saying, This man Wow, he's welcoming sinners and even eating with them. And so in response to that, Jesus told them this story, which was the beginning of three parables that he talked about. A shepherd who had 100 sheep lost one. A woman who had 10 uh, corns and lost one. And then he picks up with the third story. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And the next day the young man packed up all of his belongings, got all that wealth, went to a distant country, squandered it all on riotous living, ended up hungry, broke and starving. Uh, slopping hogs, which for a Jewish person was, was the lowest of the lowest. He found himself outside of the religious covenant. And then the text says, verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hard workers have food enough to spare? But here I am dying from hunger. So he simply got up and returned home. The father saw him coming at a, a long way off, ran out, uh, threw himself on him, hugged him, and kissed him. And then the son said to the dad, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to even be called your son. But his father said to the servants, listen, quick, (laughs) find the finest robe, Put it on this young man. Come on, get a ring and put it on his fingers. Get some sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we've been fattened. This, This requires a celebration, a celebrating feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. But the older brother was out working in the field, so when he comes back, he hears all of the party and the dancing the singing, and singing, he asks, "What's going on?" Somebody says, "Well listen, your brother has returned." The text says that the older brother was angry and wouldn't even go in the house. His father came out and begged him. But the older brother says in response, "All these years, I've slaved for you, and you've never once." Uh, And I've never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to do. And in all of that time, you know what? You never even gave me one young goat, less known a fattened calf, to have a feast with my friends. And yet, when this son of yours comes back, look at here, after squandering your money on prostitution, you you celebrate by killing the fattening calf. (laughs) His father responds by saying, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. You know why? (laughs) Your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Happy homecoming. That's what the dad was saying, happy homecoming. Praise God. Now listen, all three of these stories are actually anchored in the first three verses. The first three verses is exactly what Jesus is responding to, and he responds by telling these three stories. So let's reread these first three verses, and let's just see uh, what is being said here. All the tax collectors and the sinners were gathering around Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees or the legal experts were grumbling. As a matter of fact, they were just angry. They said, the man welcomes sinners. He even eats with them. And so Jesus begins to tell a series of stories. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to observe as we move through this uh, passage together. First of all, I want you to note that Jesus is in a house. The second thing I want you to note is that the people who are gathering around him, tax collectors and sinners, they're all Jews. Uh, they grew up in the Jewish tradition. Come on. They were circumcised on the eighth day. They, all of that good stuff. But none of them were welcome in the Jewish synagogue, in the Jewish house as of that moment. But they were gathering around a Jesus who was welcoming them. The next thing I want to ask is, what about these tax collectors that was in the house with Jesus? Who were they? Well, it turns out that, they, that the Roman government hired uh, members of the Jewish community to collect taxes from their own people, gave them the authority to, to multiply those taxes two, three, four times, whatever time they wanted, just as long as they gave the government back their money. These people shattered the lives of their own folk they were like the worst expression of humanity. They were in the house with Jesus. And then there was this other group called notorious sinners. Now you say, well, who were these notorious sinners that were in the house with Jesus? Well, the way Luke writes the passage is he, he, he leaves it so that you and I, we can fill it in. Whoever you think is a notorious lawbreaker is a sinner. That's who in the house sitting around talking to Jesus. Could be uh, the, the lover who cheated on you. it Could be the mean kids who bullied you at school. It could be your best friend who betrayed you or the child you raised that ultimately broke your heart. They're in the house sitting and talking with Jesus. Come on. It could be uh, the parent that abandoned you or some of the folk that you've canceled off your Facebook feed or your TikTok feed because you disagree with their politics and or their values. It could be that coworker or that boss that you think don't like you and you sure enough do not like them. It could be some of them Democrats that you don't like or some of the Republicans that you don't like. Come on. I mean, what, whatever group you want to pick from, it could people who are straight, people who are gay, people who are rich, people who are poor, whoever you feel like have devalued you and wounded you, the racist, the misogynist, the homophobe. Uh, who, Whoever you just despise that you can't be in the same room with, that's the person that's among the notorious sinners who Jesus is sitting with and eating with and welcoming to the table. Ah, you get a sense, don't you? You get a sense of why uh, the Jewish leaders were upset. It's kind of like when you used to be in, I, I, I suspect you, some of, we've all had a version of this, you know, you're in high school and you break up with your girlfriend, your boyfriend. And then the next day, your best friend is having lunch with the person you broke up with. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 no. What are you endorsing what they did to me? Don't you know? That's what the religious leaders were say. Is he celebrating these folk? Is he, is he condoning their behavior? And while Jesus is not condoning their behavior, he certainly isn't. He is, though affirming the unique value that each and every one of them have in their lives. And so the religious leaders, they're also in the room. You and I we are also in the room. And so Jesus is interpreting. He's got to explain to people what's going on. So he tells three stories to address the situation. And woven through these stories it is a single thread that is An announcement of good news on a day like today's, you see, because whether you're watching me on the screen or you're sitting in San Jose, we too have gathered around that same Jesus. Come on, whatever our titles, we are gathered. And and I want to suggest that today is a homecoming day as we gather around Jesus. He's at the center in the house. Now, what's unique about Jesus, this thread that's running through, there's a mystery to it. It's strange. There's a little bit of unfamiliarity. The way Jesus is interacting, the folk that are around him, they don't really have a paradigm. They don't have the words to explain. They can't really identify what they're seeing. Uh, Some of what they're seeing is causing some of them to attack Jesus, some of what they're seeing is causing others to be attracted to Jesus, but they just don't understand what is it so Jesus has got to explain it so he begins by telling three stories but before I walk you through the stories let me tell a story about a month and a half ago we have a campus in San Jose those of you who are worshiping there you're sitting in it right now but our administrative offices are there as well and we're located in an urban context. We're downtown San Jose. It's this unique mixture of people, just like the folks sitting in the room with Jesus that I just described. I mean, everybody. We got millionaires living across the street. We got unhoused folk walking up and down the street. We got all kinds of people there. On this particular evening, the clouds was in the sky. It had been raining. Doorbell rang. I go down to see who it is. My, one of our dynamic uh, uh, team members, Dante, joins me just to make sure that everything is safe. There's a fellow peering through the window. He's saying, I want to come in. I said, there's no public worship gathering right now. I'm talking back to him through the window. He says, yeah, but I want to come in and give to the offering box. I said, but, you know, can you do that on Sunday? He says, if you just let me come in, I'll go through the door. And right to the right is the offering box. I recognized from that moment that obviously, even though I don't worship in San Jose, obviously he was familiar with the community. He was familiar with the house, if you will. So I opened the door and he came in. And Dante and I stood off to the side and he came in and went to the offering box and he reached in his pocket and he came out with this this handful of lottery tickets and he pushed them into the box. Now, I don't want anybody to get confused by this story. I am not using this story to say you need to give to the church. That's not the point of this story. I'm not suggesting that you go out and buy lottery tickets either. That's one of the worst ways you can spend your money. And I'm sure not suggesting go buy lottery tickets to give it to the church. That's not the point. What struck me in a really deep and incredible way as I watched this fella, whose name was Guy, G-U-Y, I discovered later, is that how is a fella tattered who doesn't have a lot of resources, take the limited resources that he has, and if he's going to buy a lottery ticket or a group of them, I would assume he's buying them for himself, hoping that he will hit it big. But rather than buying it for himself, he takes his little bit and he buys the lottery tickets and he brings it to the church. y'all they listed, hoping that somehow the church would hit it big. Tears began to well up in my eyes. I, I, I had not in thirty some years of ministry i hadn't experienced anything like this and and while I was trying to understand what it is that God might be using God to teach me. Come on, my, my, my mind wandered back to the lessons that Jesus is teaching in telling these three stories. And it has everything to do with saying happy homecoming. Here's the first story. The first story uh, is about a fellow who has a hundred sheep. But one of the sheep gets disconnected and then loses its way, can't find its way back home. The shepherd, even though he's got 99, he is so deeply disturbed that he goes out and he looks for this sheep. And he doesn't stop till he finds it. He's got to find the sheep. And the text says in verse 6, it says, and after he finds the sheep, he puts him on his his shoulder. He says, returning home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and telling them, come rejoice with me because I found my sheep. When I think about this story... I think about some of you who are watching me today. I think about some of you who've made your way to San Jose and you've been disconnected from church for a long time. You love worship, you love teaching, you love being in the church. You don't have nothing about. But you know what? Life happened. Maybe some of you moved to a different city or you went off to school. Life happened. Uh, maybe you got into a small little tiff with somebody in the church. You just was gonna back off a little bit, but you're gonna come back. But life happened. Maybe it was the pandemic that separated you, and you had found it difficult to find your way back to the house. Y'all ain't listed. Oh, I want to celebrate today because the God of the universe, I don't know whether it was an invitation, I don't know whether it was a friend, but whoever reached out to you, I don't know whether it was a link, but whoever reached out to you and said, come on and be a part of our Easter celebration, that was God at work saying, I've missed you. And even though I got a whole crew of people, I only have one of you, and you are irreplaceable. So if you since you are watching me and you're part of this gathering and Jesus is in the center I just want to say to you happy homecoming <laughs> the heavens and the angels are rejoicing and then there's a second story that this fellow tells you remember the shepherd represents God and then Jesus tells a different story he says suppose there's a woman now in this case The woman represents God. I love the diversity of images. She has 10 silver coins, and she loses one. Well, doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, you know what she does? The same thing as as the other guy did. She calls all her friends and neighbors together, and she says, Rejoice with me. Party with me. I have found my lost coin." But here's what's fascinating about this story and what distinguishes it from the other two stories, the one I just told and the one that is normally called the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. This coin is not lost outside of the house. It's lost in the house. In the house. Fascinating, isn't it? Many years ago when my daughter was eight years old, we went to breakfast together. And she said to me, it was around this time of the year. She says, Dad, I've got a friend who... Is Jewish and she was sharing with me the other day that they did Passover just a few days ago. I said, Oh, that's awesome. She said, Well, I'm confused. I said, Why? She said, Because the, my friend says that their family don't believe in God. And I don't understand if they don't believe in God, why are they doing Passover? I said, Well, listen, there are a lot of Jesus followers who come to church week after week, but the way they live their lives after church, they live as though God doesn't exist. Come on, they're in the same place as what your friend is talking about. She said, well, Daddy, if that's true, how come they keep coming to church? I said, baby girl, in summary, this is what I said to her. Baby girl, it is always better to be lost in the house than outside of the house. Come on, guys. I'm talking to some folk. Listen, Jesus was talking to those religious leaders. They, 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 they served in the synagogue. Come on now. But they were disconnected from the power that he was communicating in this experience. They didn't even understand it, y'all. And as a result, they were disconnected from the heart of the one that they were serving. And it caused them to be disconnected from, from the deepest needs of the folk who they should have been serving in the synagogue. Totally disconnected and here they were lost in the house. Let me just say that it is possible, and I know that somebody is listening to me that may fit this criteria. You work hard in the church. You serve in the church. You do all the things that we asked you to do in the church. But if you miss this, this, this power that I'm going to name in a few moments, and if you're disconnected from the heart of God, and if you don't recognize what is the deepest needs of people who walk into the pews, come on now, you can be lost in the house. But I got good news for you. At least you're in the house. And I'm praying that the lights will come on as we teach this message today. And so let me say to you in advance, happy homecoming. Praise God. And then we come to the third story. It is known as the prodigal son. It's a mislabeling. I often use it because that's the label that most people know it by. But notice how the text begins. Jesus, to illustrate the point further, told this third story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, and he goes on talks about the younger son. This story really should be called the parable of the father's house because it's the father that is the central character of the story, and and the younger boy has a part in it, and the older boy has a part in it, but the focus is on the father. And the father's house. Y'all ain't listening to me. Come on, let me catch you up real quickly. So the younger son in rebellion walks away from the father's house, doesn't want to be under his authority, ends up in a hog pen. And the text says he comes to him senses his his senses there, and he discovers that what he needs is only found in the father's house. And so he gets up, and you heard what I read. The father meets him, greets him, welcomes him throws a party for what, what is this? That the the father is demonstrating. It's the same thing that Jesus is demonstrating, surrounded by the tax collectors and the and the religious leaders. Come on, and these notorious sinners. What do you call this? What, what does this look like? Where the older brother comes out. He he doesn't understand it. He comes from the field working. He hears all the partying and the music, and he asks somebody, "What's going on?" They say, "Well, your brother didn't come back. Your dad is throwing a party." And the text says, "Come on now," says that the older brother is angry and he wouldn't even go in the house. He wouldn't go in the father's house. So the father comes out and pleads with him. And then the older brother breaks into a self-righteous speech. He says, check this out. All these years I've slaved for you, never once refused to do a single thing you've told me to do. And all that time, you know what? You never even gave me a young goat for my friends. And yet this son of yours, he's disowning him as his brother. This son of yours come back. And what are you? Who, he squandered all of the money on prostitutes. And and, and you going to celebrate by killing the fatted calf what the boy was really saying well what about the punishment that is due well what about all of that money that he has wasted that cannot be replaced what about the harm that has been caused to this family and that has been caused to others what about justice and you're gonna throw a party and it was at that point in so many ways uh, the text is a little bit more diplomatic, but let me just give you the, what I call the literal translation. The part steps forward to the son very tenderly and says, son, I got to introduce you to a concept. It's the concept that Jesus was modeling in that room with sinners and tax collectors that the leaders did not understand. They didn't have a word for it. He says, I got to give you a word for it. Grace. And you know what grace is? Grace is un." earn favor you get what you do not deserve and son let me tell you you've been swimming in grace but you don't even recognize it i don't know why you're trying to earn my love because my love already comes in the packets of grace i, I, I do you understand that the reason why you have an inheritance has nothing to do with how obedient you've been boy when you were in your mother's womb, I already determined that you would be my heir. Come on, y'all. come, come on. And do you not know that the same grace that welcomed your brother back into the house is the same grace that's been blessing your life all around? Come on, the bed you sleep in, that's my grace. The food you eat, that's my grace. The field you work in, that's my grace. As a matter of fact, my grace is so abundant in your life that you can't even see your own flaws. You talking about how obedient you've been and yes you have but that doesn't mean you've been perfect i just haven't told you all the times you've gotten on my nerves i just haven't told you all the different ways that you've messed up come on now but it is my grace that has been sufficient come on now so come on boy let's go back into my house my house is not made of brick and mortar it's not it's not defined by address my house is made of grace Come on back in here, y'all. The texts leave us in a quandary. We don't know whether the boy went in. We don't know whether the boy refused and rejected dad's house of grace. But the boy did ask some good questions. What about the punishment that was due? Nobody wants to know, believe that God's grace is cheap grace. What about the justice that is due For all the things that you and I have done wrong. And yet he welcomes us into the house to gather around his son, Jesus. Well, Jesus says there are three brothers in the story. There's the elder brother who probably rejected the grace. There's the younger brother who who definitely said yes to the grace. And then there is the faithful brother. I'm the one telling the story. That's Jesus, y'all. Come on now. And he leaves and goes into Jerusalem, and they say, Hosanna on one day, and crucify him on the other day. And on Friday, they string him up and put him on a crucified cross. And, and somebody said, what is Jesus doing on the cross? And the prophet Isaiah answers that question. Come on now. Uh, he goes back, and he answers the question 3,000 years in advance Uh, and and here is his answer, that he, Jesus, was wounded because of our rebellious deed, because of the rebellious deed of the elder brother and the rebellious deed of the younger brother. He was crossed because of our sins, the sins of the tax collectors, the sins of the notorious sinners, the sins of the religious leaders. Y'all ain't listening. He endured punishment that, that, that made us well. Because of his wounds, we have been healed and i'm gonna add by his grace praise god and then he dies y'all dead as a doh friday night and they bury him he dies but i can hear an angel say don't get ruffled the last word has not been spoken Oh, it's Sunday morning, good God Almighty, the first day of the week. Come on now. I, I, I heard somebody start the day off from heaven the same way we started it off. Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed. Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed. And there came an announcement. The father declared, you know, the father in the story talks about the younger son. But the announcement for heaven on Easter Sunday is about the faithful son. And here's what the announcement is. This son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost in the darkness of death. Oh, but he's found again. Let the party begin. Come on now. Oh, happy homecoming. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Good God Almighty. Oh, do you know... I'm talking about the power of grace. And if it ever grabs hold to you, it transforms you. It changes you. You know, there are three types of people that live near the house of grace. The first type of person that lives near the house of grace is a person who has grace, swims in grace, but doesn't know that their life is being blessed by grace. That's the elder brother. The second type of person, come on, who who is engaged with grace is somebody who needs grace, but at the end of the day, they reject God's grace because they don't want to think differently about how they live their life. The word for that is repent, think differently. Perhaps that was also the elder brother if he didn't go into the house of grace. But then there is the third category, and I want you to know, I want to ask you, which grade, what category are you in? There's the third category, and that is the person like that younger brother who recognizes that they need grace and and, and who's looking for a way to access it. And then he comes to his senses and he says, I'm going to get up and go to my father's house and I just want to let you know that the resurrected Jesus, come on now, he is standing at the center of the father's house, mitigating the source of grace, can I tell you? Can I tell you about the Father real quick? And I'm almost finished. You know three things about the Father that was really powerful. Number one, he had an unending hope. In all three stories, he never gave up. Come on, he had he had a claim that would never let go. In all three stories, no matter how low you fall, he still claims you. And whenever you turn to his grace, that is found in his Son. Uh, he's got an uncontainable joy let me end by going back to the story of guy i called one of my team members and i asked i said tell me about this fella they told me his name is guy does he come every week he says almost every week and when he comes i said well what what's the deal say, oh, he brings lottery tickets every week and he comes and we know him and we give him hugs and he gives out his hugs. He walks around. He gets all these hugs and we have his coffee ready and we give him his coffee. And sometimes he stays for the worship and sometimes he just gets his coffee, stops in and gets his hugs and he keeps moving after he gives off his lottery tickets. And then suddenly I got it. I realized it. Oh, God represents all of us when we show up in the church house. We're all tattered. Some of us have our tatteredness visible. Others have it invisible. But we all have our imperfections, y'all. But what God had discovered when he came into that place called MBCC, that that Father's House of Grace in San Jose, y'all ain't listening. Uh, It's not an address. It's a community. What he discovered that it didn't matter what he was wearing. It did not matter. Come on, what other part of his life was out of place? he found grace he found unconditional love he hit the jackpot and because he hit the jackpot come on now uh, because he experienced grace it turned him into wanting to be an instrument of grace and 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 live a life of gratitude so he got lottery tickets and he brings them every week because he says I want the church to hit it big because every week I show up for my homecoming greeting I I hit it big. That's the good news, yo. That's the good news. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I'm talking about me now. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. The everlasting hymn that all of us ought to sing. I am a sinner. Thank God for Jesus. Saved by. And if you can sing that song with me this morning, I want to remind you that God's house is simply the place of grace. Happy homecoming. Amen and amen.